Thank you for joining us. This is Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. You're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. Diesel Power Magazine recently put out this really cool article, Chris. Uh, I wanted to pull it out here for our industry news. Okay. Uh, the title of the article is Semper Fast. Uh, it was a truck, a 2012 F-250 from Dorian Reyna uh, okay. out of... Austin, Texas, okay. I want to say. Uh, that Texas, for yeah. sure. Uh, the coolest F-250 I've seen, number one. That's the one with this, the wrap, right? Yeah, it's yeah. got that it's the shark front end, yeah. like the old World War II fighter pilots. Um, the truck's badass. It's, it's 1,180 horsepower. It's a regular <sighs> cab. Uh, he's running 100 over injectors, an RCD stroker, CP 4.2, fuel lab lift pump, and a sump. Uh, he's got a single S475 by Engineer Diesel on there, intercooler, intake manifold, cold air intake. Uh, the basics, it looks awesome. I Obviously, I, I read about it, so I didn't get to hear it or feel it, but right. like the truck just... It's a really, really cool truck, mm -hmm. right? For a daily driver and things like that. And like they call it a daily driver. We all know single right. S475 is yeah. not my jam, but the horsepower numbers are impressive, if nothing else. Yeah. And it's a simple build. It is. Yeah. It was a really straightforward, mm -hmm. high horsepower, high attention build. Uh, he's got this really cool kind of note to it where it has the number 22 on the side. He uh, himself, Dorian, is a uh, U.S. Marine. Okay. So, veteran, owns a diesel shop. The name of the shop, if I can remember correctly, is Power Stroke Ingenuities. Okay. Um, hmm. Seemed like really cool guys. So, he's got the number 22 painted in huge letters on the side of the door. Uh, so, you'll see the 22. It really stands out. And that's kind of a call out to a big problem we have in the country with losing, on average, 22 veterans a day to suicide. Wow. Um, so post-traumatic stress disorder is obviously a really big deal. We've done a couple of veteran episodes here in the past and some different ways to reach out to a, a few different groups out there. Um, the truck I thought was really cool. The wrap I thought was really cool. The message is what really hit home for me. Yeah, definitely. Where I thought that they took a, a really terrible statistic and found a really positive way to draw attention yeah. to it and bring this out into the light. So big shout out to them. Uh, love the truck, guys. Love the message. Uh, Diesel Power Magazine, thanks for putting out a, a great article about it. We really appreciated that. Okay. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And speaking of putting out uh, content, uh, somebody who does that pretty regularly is Exergy. Yeah. Uh, Exergy Performance, of course, sponsors our Do's and Don'ts segment. I changed up the segment just a little bit for today okay. because I found some really solid content from them where they had, they had, in the past, they had published the five most common injector failures. So I thought you and I could just run through them here real quick, Chris. Yeah, I, I think... Let's go through them and then we'll talk a little bit on it. Because as I'm, I'm looking over the notes here, there's there's so many things that pop up in my head. Yeah. So um, I'll it, take the first one. How about do that? It. We'll do just it. get right into it. So worn injector ball seat. So I think a lot of guys, they need to understand what that is. So there's a seat, right, a, a, a platform, and there's a ball. And the mechanism, it basically opens and closes by solenoids. Right, yep. Yep. And that's what allows injectors to flow through the nozzle into the cylinder. So in other words, when the ball is makes a, a clean contact on the ball seat... No fuel. No fuel is right. getting through. So it's completely blocking that off. And that's by design, obviously, because yes. you don't want to be leaking fuel right. into the cylinder. And then when it opens, fuel flows, right? So, I'm with you. This is pretty fucking simple. This is Even pretty for straightforward. Us, this is now, pretty simple. When you have a worn ball seat... Oh, well, what happens there? Fuel, when it's closed, is going to leak through. Hence, 
hazing, hence, I'm sure balance rates are going to play a role in here at that point. Yep. So those are where a lot of the drivability characteristics and the smoke characteristics are going to come into play. It's funny you say that because when they when they published this content, there was these five uh, problems and only three symptoms. Okay. So a, a lot of injector problems, even yep. though they're going to be different from ball seat to something else. Yep. It may come out and show itself as a haze at idle. Just because you have a haze at idle doesn't mean it's this could problem. Could be a, a, a ball seat. Uh, it could also be a cracked nozzle body. It could. We've seen them. You know, totally it, possible, happened. and would show itself the yep. exact same way. Cracked nozzle body is actually number four on the list. Yep. Chris took yeah. number one. We're just I figured you'd want to jump back to uh, number three. There, it seems like you have the odds. Yeah, you know, the blown internal high pressure seat that. Again, kind of goes with the the ball seat, so two components there, right? Yeah, so so high pressure fuel comes up to the injector, but the whole injector body isn't filled with high, high pressure, pressure, correct? Right, so so that's that's a controlled uh, system there that allows high pressure fuel to come into the injector. So just like just like before, which is why I thought it would match up well there. Uh, the if the blown internal internal high pressure seat mm-hmm. is fucked up, again, Messed exact up. same symptom. Messed up. PG. Messed up. PG. Messed up. We're get we're yeah. Why don't you, we're considering PG. Why don't okay. you take number five now? Let's just number five, keep I jumping. Love it. Uh, that, that goes right into cracked injector body. And I have is, never seen that. This is one that I was there. just going to say is, is probably a little bit more on the rare side uh, for your average guys. Uh, it does happen. It's usually under like, this will be the last piece yeah. that is broken along with the other four I on mean, the list. The body, it, it's pretty durable. There's there's a lot of material right, there. But so. if, if the ball seat is worn... And the high pressure seat is worn, and the nozzle is cracked, and the last one you're you're also leaking crossover tubes for for a Cummins, and all of this wear is going on. Um, yeah, I, it really starts to put some stress on the injectors themselves. Yeah, sure. Um, five most common. This is how it was listed, Chris. Five, five most, most common. common. I know it's just your reference of of the the breakdown. If all those other things broke, <laughs> okay, and then the body broke you last. Know what? I, I don't hey, know. There's here's the truth of it. There are I don't thousands know. of listeners listening to this episode thinking you're an idiot. At least uh, but, two. You know right? what? The, the most common five. I mean, fifth definitely the most uncommon. But right. It 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 clearly it happens. Right? It does. So cool. It does go down like that. All right. What do we got next? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this week we have a really cool from facebook it's kind of similar to a few that we've had here in the past it's about a common rail cummins i know we've had just a huge following in the common rail i just love common rail cummins i pulled this one chris because it actually reminded me so much of your old truck man i missed that thing okay uh joe giannino okay that's a guess uh, says, hey, guys, I've been listening to your podcast for a couple of months now, and I have a couple questions on what direction I want to go with my truck. I bought an 06 Dodge Cummins about eight months ago. I would like to get a little bit more power out of it, and I really don't tow with it. Um, it's kind of a weekend warrior. I keep hearing EFI Live is king of the mountain to tune these trucks and don't want to blow up my stock trans yet. I know it will need to be rebuilt in the near future as the truck has 186,000 miles on it. I just want to hold off for a little while on the trans. Um, I also know I should do a lift pump, and am, and I'm torn between a fast and an air dog, leaning towards the fast for reliability. Ultimately, I'm looking for advice on how to tune the truck the right way and hopefully not blow the tranny just yet. Thanks, guys. Love the show. Uh, Joe Giannino, thank you so much for writing in a message. All of our other listeners, please feel free to write these in. If we don't read them on the air, uh, either Chris or myself, 
usually myself will end up replying to you and try to get you some information back. Chris, 06 Cummins, 186,000 miles, stock trans. This is your jam, bro. Uh, yeah. Um, surprised the stock trans less at 186,000 miles. I, I know, me too. Yeah, that's that's. You, you actually stole my joke. I had a planned joke in here, and yeah. you just crushed it. I figured I'd fuck your day up since you like to bash me on hey, the, we're, we're the messaging. Oh, we're PG. Right, right, all right, right. I forgot. All right. Can you not fucking swear? Yeah. Um, Shit. All right, but for real, 06 Cummins. All right. I, what would you do, Paul? Let me start off. Yeah, what would you say, do, Let me Paul? kick this party off. What would Paul do? Paul would definitely do EFI Live. I'd consider MM3, but because it doesn't have a J1939 link, I would go with EFI Live so I got switchable tunes. I'd throw an Edge Insight CTS2 monitor up in the uh, windshield so that I could keep an eye on everything. I would do the fast lift pump. It's nothing against AirDog. I think AirDog makes a good product. They do. Uh, I think both companies have evolved over time, and they both offer really simple, really solid solutions. Um I don't think there's a wrong way to go there. Fast mm-hmm. is just, to me, easier to get because I work here. They do also have a lifetime warranty, mm-hmm. so I, I think there's something to be said for that. There's two things with Fast. You pay you pay map pricing, yeah, and you send in the warranty card, no questions asked. And that's it. Yeah. If you do those, yeah, if you did those two things, you're good. You're, right? you're golden. Uh, I definitely would throw a cold air intake on it, probably an S&B. Mm-hmm. Again, nothing against any of the other intakes out there. Uh, S&Bs fit. They look nice. They work. From there, from there, my five nine's about ready to roll until she's she's really up for the next until stage. Until the tranny is smoked. Yeah. You know, now you're now you're talking big money. Which for me is like two days in the big tune. Yeah. I don't think you've ever driven anything in a big tune. But <laughs> oh, yeah, trans next, you know, then maybe throw a turbo on there and you know, these trucks drive really nice at, you know, six hundred horse. Yeah. You know, absolutely. stock fuel setup and you know, it's all about setting that foundation to grow. Because, like anyone else, man, you tune it stock trans, it's not enough. You build the trans, tune it again, not enough. Do a turbo, <laughs> still not enough. So, you know, it's one of those things where, man, I only want X amount of power. Those guys call back a year later, man, it just wasn't enough. You know, my buddy, my buddy's got, yeah, I know, I know, I've been there. I got to be just a little bit. That's yeah. what I was, I got to be just a little bit faster. Yeah, yeah. Just a little bit. Uh, when the bug bites, man, that's okay. Absolutely. So, guys, now is usually where we do our from the shop or in the shop segment. Uh, We're our shop guys, guys, Paul. We're our shop guys. From Duramax Tuner. They are- In the shop. In the shop. Making money. Like, quite literally. So, when we rolled out this segment, I had talked to them about, hey, man, we really, I I know we're pulling you out of shop time. We got to do it. I came down there today, and literally every technician I walked up to just started laughing at me of like, no, I'm going to be here till 8 o'clock tonight. Which is a common thing with you. Like, they laugh at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they don't like anybody with clean hands, so fuck them. Um, That is very true. Yeah. (laughs) So anyways, uh, nothing from the shop this week. I will give you a couple of highlights. Uh, They did a little bit more work on the Apache. There was a couple more turbo swaps out there doing a little more testing. LB7... 67 G2 is officially available. Jeez, such uh, a long name. Well, it's still 67 G2. The model is for yeah, your LB7. There's yeah. three models. Yeah, but it's like so the model RDD2 V267 like awesome. Love it. Sorry. Love it. No, no, great. 
Thank you for adding to the podcast. You're, I really appreciate you're it. You're really welcome. <laughs> no, but seriously, Badass Turbo, um, the podcast went live, what, a week ago for yeah. the 67. Uh, I started getting some calls on it, some inquiries. Like, guys were like, hey, why didn't you tell me about this before? And it's like, because it was secret. <laughs> like, guys, don't, you don't realize the R&D. Like Nick said, I mean, there's been years into this. This yeah. isn't something that last week we're like, you know what? Fuck it. We're just going to build a new Turbo. We're going to town. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, it was, it was on the other hand last week, like, hey, fuck, who are we supposed to interview tonight? Oh, Paul didn't book anybody. Hey, Nick, what are you doing? Yeah. 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 Way to put Nick on the spot. He yeah. loves it. He does. He loves it. Yeah. He definitely enjoyed it. Yeah. It was a fun one, though. 67 G2 on the shelf, ready to ship. Uh, if you need one, get a hold of Chris. Yeah, I'll take it. 2121 is my extension. If you guys have any questions, I did talk a couple guys out of it. So I'm not going to lie. You know, I, I like to know a little bit more about the truck and the use. Sometimes some things are just not meant to be for that platform. Let, let's let's talk about the differences between a Stell 64 and a Stell 67 okay. uh, for your LB7. So I have an LB7, Chris. Okay. I'm considering these two different turbos. Yeah. What should I buy? So, you know, I'll ask you, how do you use the truck? I, I'm so glad you asked. I use the truck to drive back and forth about a half hour to work, mostly on the highway. Uh, I tow my bass boat here and there on the weekends. Paul the Fisher. All right. Built trans or stock? Built trans. Do you plan on building the motor? Uh, probably not. I mean, if I was going to, I would do it all the way and do a thousand horsepower build. Kay. But at this point, eh, I just want to get as much as I possibly can. And what size injector and pump do you have in the truck? I'm, I'm stock now, okay. but I'm considering upgrades because it's an LB7. I know my injectors are bad. My CP3 is weak. So what I generally coach guys at that point is, number one, you were very skeptical about building the motor. The 67.7 is really not going to come to life on a stock motor truck, you know, get the full potential. Now, granted, it's not a, a huge price difference between the 64 G2 and the 67 G2, but you're going to have a nicer driver with the 64 G2. Okay. okay. Secondly, you know, you're, I asked you about injectors, right? If you don't plan on doing a motor, I generally would coach someone into doing like Exergy Sportsman injector and pump setup. All right. Instead of going to a 10 millimeter and 45 overs, because the amount of money you're going to invest into that on a stock bottom end, it just really doesn't make a ton of sense. You're not going to be able to utilize oh, its full capabilities. Minimum two grand off the top just right. on injector just, and just pumps. Additional cost. Right. Additional. additional. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like I tell guys, and I'll, you hear it right on the air. I'll love to take all your money. Like I would love to sell you whatever you want, but I've invested my own money on stuff that I care not to talk about. Like I'm doing it right now. You know, like we've I, I would all love done to it. talk about it. No, what truck? What truck? Okay, I'm sorry. So, so you were wrapping up to a point of like, you, yeah, it's just, you coach people it's, to the right. Product. It's just all about you know making sure that you're investing your money in the right areas and getting the most out of it. You're towing a bass boat. You don't plan on building the bottom end. You know, it's a stock injector pump truck for now. You might make slight upgrades in the future. I think the 64 is going to be a home run. Now, if you said, listen, man, you know, next next season, next winter, next tax return, building the motor. You know, I'm going to do 60s and a 10 mil. Like that's been the end-all be-all dream and I want a good driver, the 67 is going to be the ticket for that guy and having that ability to grow. Right. So, you know, it just, it really just depends. I mean, it really just depends on the truck and the application. I have just one question for you. Okay. What truck did you piss away the most amount of money on? You know, that's, it's a really sad, sad story because, um, my, I had an 01 VP truck that ended up getting a built motor with a 12 valve with twins. It was a manual trans truck that I converted to a 47 RE manual valve body setup. Parts for those trucks are cheap. <laughs> um, I probably had 
eight to ten thousand dollars more into that truck than I did my common rail with a built motor and injectors and a pump and a turbo. That was really dumb. Yeah, it was. But you know what? At the time, you know, years ago, we're talking nine years, eight years ago, the market and the industry wasn't where it is now. So you were calling all these shops, going on the forums, trying to get information. And the information, I mean, the forums these days, we talk about it at the shop all the time. You will screw yourself if you listen to guys on the forum. And I'm not bashing anyone on the forums. I'm just saying that there is a lot of information that is misled or by uh, it's provided by self-proclaimed experts how dare you i'm sorry i said it how dare you yeah, i, I know if i put water in my oil i will be able to run yeah, at a higher rpm that's true that's true but no i mean that's not true don't fucking do that i mean i can I don't do that i can tell you the first engine that was ever in my white truck i had five different turbos i had no you didn't yeah four different injector setups because different shops said you got to run this this is going to work and then i get it on the truck and i'm like the fuck is this? this multiple sucks. tuners at the time. And then when I went to the 12 valve engine, multiple parts that never got used, had to sell them off, lost my ass. So it's like, you know, I never say put all your eggs in one basket and deal with one shop, but you call 10 shops, you're going to get 10 different recommendations or probably 12 different recommendations. And every shop's idea of drivability is much different than the next. So, Again, when we talk on the phone with guys, it's always about data-driven results. You know, yeah. this is what we've experienced. This is what we offer to back up what you know what we're recommending. Like, you know, I'm not just recommending a product. I'm going to recommend a solution. I'm going to recommend data. You know, I'm going to offer you data to that. If you had that eight to ten ten thousand dollars that you pissed away on that crappy truck, yeah, what would you invest it into now? <laughs> oh God! Have you ever been interviewed by somebody who doesn't care what you say? <laughs> No. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I have a car project now. I really don't care. You're like, I, I don't care. You're I have a car such project, a loser. and I've invested more into that at this point because it's fun. Um, so, so, like I dumb. said, I've invested a lot of money on a lot of dumb stuff. My LB7 pissed a shit ton of money. A lot away. of money. My I white, yeah, that one. my yeah. white, my second gen pissed more money than I knew it would do. I didn't even make much money. I don't even know how I fucking afforded that back then. Yeah. My my 07, my common rail. I still to this day don't know how I swung that. Yeah, luck. I mean, pure luck. just the motor I was here for that one. Yeah. That one was like, just pure luck. you know, Nick, Nick's a good boss. He came in clutch, helped me out. But when the truck was back together, he was paid. Yeah. Like I didn't owe him anything more at that point. And then I just so happy, you know, happened to luckily sell it for pretty much what I had into it. Right. So God was looking out. So uh, I think that's like the smartest decision you've ever made with a vehicle Yeah, uh, was sure. selling it on somebody's first offer. And like you didn't even have the truck together for two weeks. When no, you sold I had it. a thousand miles on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was nothing. It was nothing. But you know what? It all worked out. And, uh, you know, I, let, I laid low for a year and did a car. And, you know, I'm not bashful about it. If I want to take a truck, I mean, we have a ton of trucks at our disposal to take out. And I'm not saying I'm not going to have another truck. There's going to be another truck in the future. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I got rid of the Kodiak a couple of years ago, and then I was driving uh, Owen's old truck, our yep. shop manager's Seven old truck, three. the 7.3 for a while. Powerhouse. It started every day. I just I live so close to work. I yeah. was like, well, this is dumb. I don't need a need truck it, for right? anything. Um, and then, uh, yeah, no, I we really have talked several times about like, the convenience of working yeah. in diesel performance. Yeah. Uh, which, speaking of, if there's any machinist in the uh, greater Chicagoland area, yeah. we do have a machinist opening for the uh, machine shop over at Duramax Tuner. We'd love to hear from you guys on that one. So check yeah, it out. Please. Facebook post or reach out, there. out. Reach out to us, guys. We're looking. Absolutely. Well, Chris, I'll tell you what. I think we have burnt up enough of our listeners' time. Yeah. Why don't we 
get the show going I'm and excited. actually get John Sherado on the phone. Cool. Uh, actually, I, we got him right here. John, how the hell are you? I'm doing pretty good. How about you guys? We're doing great, man. Thank you so much for taking some time out to join us today to talk about being a uh, qualifier at the Ultimate Callout Challenge 2018. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on the show. No, not a problem at all, man. Uh, we were excited when we saw your truck. It looked like a really cool rig. Can you tell our guests a little bit about uh, the truck you're bringing to the qualifier? Yeah, actually, well, first of all, I appreciate that. And second of all, um, yeah, it's a, it's a 97 Dodge, and it's got a P-pumped 6.7 based engine in it. It's got a Hamilton block that we punched out a little bit, a uh, solid block. And then a uh, 24-valve head off of a 06 Dodge. Okay, so kind of a Frankenstein setup here. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> kind of all kinds of different different stuff. We originally cracked a 12-valve head probably eight years ago, and I always wanted to have a P-Pump 24-valve, so at that time I started kind of getting some stuff together, and next time it fired it was a 24-valve head. <laughs> Very cool. Why, why did you want that set up? What was it about that that really kind of pulled you into it? Well, when I did that, I guess it's probably been about since 2010 when I did that, and so eight years. And um, I just always thought the four-valve head kind of seemed like a, a better design. Uh, with I was pretty young then, and I guess I just... Uh, kind of didn't really know exactly the differences in injector spray angles and all that kind of stuff where it just made sense to me how with a four-valve head, the injectors in the center of the bore, spraying center, it seemed like it would be easier to kind of get timing and everything else kind of dialed in a little bit better. Okay. Okay, cool. Cool. Well, how long... Found a, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, how long have you been working on this? Because I've noticed a couple years apart, right? So... Yeah, so actually... I mean, the first time, I've had this truck since 2008, wow. and then it's kind of how projects always go, where we've been working on it ever since, but it's it's ever-changing, and at, we've found a lot, of, a lot of struggles, or we've had a lot of struggles trying to get the four-valve head to work kind of to the same power potential as a lot of people have gotten the two-valve heads to work to, where... Uh, it seems like with the 12-valve stuff, they've got the mechanical injectors really dialed in, and uh, as far as dual feeds and triple feeds and all that kind of stuff, it's just everybody has kind of done that, where with the 24-valve style injectors, there's uh, a, lot, a lot of hurdles that we've had to, that we've found out about. What kind of problems have you run into? Uh, just, I guess, where um, people have had uh, the 12-valve injectors are obviously fed from the top into them, so um, I think it's mainly just because that's what the trucks came with, but people have been doing dual-feed ports and triple-feed ports and all that kind of stuff in those injectors for years, where with the 24-valve stuff, it seems like, well, um, where the fuel comes in the side of the cylinder head and you've got your connector tube, uh, then there's the passages into the into the injector, and it's got to make a 90 in the injector body. So I just um, I just don't really know exactly where the restrictions were, or we didn't know where the restrictions were in that system until we started trying to trying to get big nozzles on them, and then realizing we didn't have the 
the bodies didn't flow enough, so we started modifying that stuff, and we don't, we're just at, I mean, around 4,500 PSI of injection pressure, where it's not as much of an issue for the common rail guys at 25,000, 30,000 PSI. Sure. It'll make it, make it kind of put the fuel in. Yeah. Yeah. If you're just forcing it through there, that's one thing, but I hear you when you're, you're flowing at a lower rate restrictions, a big deal. Yeah, okay. exactly. Well, it sounds like you've been around diesel performance for some time, which makes sense with you coming up as a qualifier. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your history in diesel performance? Uh, have you been at competitions before? Uh, yeah, I've never sled pulled before. Uh, we've done, I've done some dyno events, but again, not very many of those. I've always been more into drag racing. And I've been drag racing for about 10, 11 years now. And we we did uh, probably the last four, maybe five years, uh, the NHRDA. Uh, we traveled with them and a race in Super Street. But it's just uh, since it's been an ongoing process, the truck has been changing and I just always kind of wanted to do a pro street truck. So at this point my truck kind of doesn't fall into any category. <laughs> so we're in between Super Street and Pro Street kind of right now. How did you do in the Super Street series when you ran it? Um, we only, we did okay. Uh, it was, the truck ran 970s-ish. It was pretty consistent until we broke our first block. And it, uh, when I broke the block, I wasn't really expecting it. We didn't really have any a spare engine built for it so that wrecked the end of that season and then we started looking into stronger options and uh we ended up going with a sleeved six seven and kind of felt like we had a pretty solid pretty solid setup to go get back into racing again and it we cracked another block so oh no and so we're uh, we're kind of hoping that the solid Hamilton block is the answer. And from everything that I've seen with the block, it's definitely a lot beefier unit. So we're hoping that's not going to be a future issue. Seems to be fairly common, those blocks and some of the trucks and the competitors these days for the Cummins. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think everybody's running into that same problem of pushing the envelope and starting to see the, the stock blocks actually crack from the, the big horsepower and torque numbers. Mm. Do you have an estimate? Have you run this thing on the rollers? Uh, wh- how much horsepower are you hoping to bring to UCC? Uh, I guess I kind of feel like everybody else where I didn't want to build a truck to get second place. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I don't know. We're I, I would like to break the 2,000 horsepower mark, but... I'm not really sure. It's never made that much power before. Um, we've kind of floated around the 1500 horsepower range for a while. Or with the first block that we broke, um, it was around 14, 1500 horsepower for two years, and then um, the sleeved six seven block that we broke. Uh, that one we were just kind of breaking in. It wasn't even cranked up all the way. It was around probably 12, 1300 horsepower when we broke that one. So wow. That's kind of a bummer deal, but we're we're hoping that we'll be able to turn it up with this block and be around that 2,000 horsepower range. Turning it up means we got to talk about your fuel and air system. Without giving away any secrets, can you tell us about how big of injectors and what turbo setup you got? Yeah. Uh, so we've got a 13 mil pump that uh, Seth Farrell 
did for us, and it's around that thousand cc wow. mark. So it should it should uh, be a pretty healthy thirteen mil setup. Definitely, I think in the sled pulling world, that's uh, pretty proven in the two thousand horsepower range, but um, and not as much, I guess, in the drag racing mechanical truck world. But for injectors, uh, we're running. They're currently being made, um, just because, like I said, with all the hurdles that we've we've had with uh, the 24-valve injectors. But power-driven diesel and uh, barrel diesel both are working on that with us, trying to get a, a really big set of dual-feed injectors in it with uh, ported ported uh, entry ports into the the side of the injector and got uh, 120 connector tubes and 093 fuel lines you went uh, all out right huh? now that we're trying to kind of trying to be well we had five by 25s last year and uh they're bigger than that i'll tell you that much <laughs> <laughs> so literally you just have garden hoses in every cylinder <laughs> <laughs> kind of i guess but hoping to get it atomized though so right kind of keep that bottom end keep that bottom end power a little bit too yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, you had mentioned that you've never sled pulled before, and you're really set up in drag racing. So walk me through the chassis hold setup. On, hold on. Oh, we, oh, we never, oh, We never even got to turbos. I'm sorry. I skipped turbos. We never talked about Good air. catch, Chris. What's the turbo Good setup catch. on this, John? Uh, so we're uh, uh, we're putting a GT55 on the manifold and uh, going to feed it with two 488s plan right now you are coming the party <laughs> <laughs> okay all right now go back to what you were saying okay Paul. okay drag race background no sled pull experience what's the chassis setup on the truck now um so it was yeah it's we're changing some things on it right now but it's always been uh it's an extended cab long bed truck and it's always been on leaf springs because that was a one of the rules for Super Street. Um, we're we're in the process right now of doing uh, some work to the back half of the truck to lighten it up, and probably going to do a full tank. See what we can do as as far as getting the power down to the ground and uh, lightening up the truck. But the chassis will stay as an extended cab long bed, uh, but just try to lighten it up a little bit. Are you going to add the weight back for sled pulling? Yeah. Uh, hopefully we can get it in the 5,000-pound range for drag racing. It, the truck has a 9-inch. Uh, well, it's a fabricated 9-inch. Um, it's got a Mark Williams full floater and strange third member. So it's a drag racing-style uh, rear axle. But it's it's pretty light, and comparing axle sizes and everything else, I feel that might be a little bit more durable than um, if we put an OE style axle in it for sled pulling. So the plan right now is to to run that nine inch for the sled pull, and then hang some weight up front and kind of just see where we end up. Obviously, I'd like to be close to eight thousand, where the limit is eight thousand pounds, where the limit is, but. I don't really know. If the truck's 5,000 pounds, it might be kind of a chore to hang 3,000 pounds yeah. off the front and kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah, and no kidding. Distributed. Okay, so you're not planning on changing much then to go from one competition to the next. I mean, it sounds like really you're going to need three sets of tires and a, and a weight rack. Yeah, we'll, uh, 
we'll modify the rear suspension a little bit. We're we're obviously uh, gonna solidify it. We're drag racing. We'll run our uh, similar style suspension to what we've been running um, for sled pulling. Probably put something a little bit more rigid in it, and we're just not just gonna slam down on the bumps or anything. And yeah, basically hang some weight up front. Uh, we're we're gonna try to do a dually setup for sled pulling so that we're not so limited with tires and really okay obviously that's kind of a, an issue too with uh the five lug rear axle so nobody really makes dually dually tire or dually wheels for a five lug <laughs> you're gonna trust the 2000 horsepower and all that torque on a five lug setup yeah well i mean that's how most of the big drag racing axles are it's yeah. they're five eighths okay lugs or five eighths uh studs but they kind of bump up to a 11 16th okay so okay. they're they're big but it's it's what they run for uh the big like 4,000 horsepower drag cars okay All right All right uh have you started shopping tires do you know what tire setup you're gonna run in the dirt not really i um We'll probably stick to a DOT style tire just with my limited or my lack of sled pulling experience. Um, I kinda, bro, bro, they, they like, like cut, cut tires, tires in the competition. You're crazy. Don't run OE. <laughs> you need something meaty, something that's going to dig into the dirt. Do you have Do you have friends or other shops that you know that sled pull? Uh, yeah, I do have. I do have some. Uh, Seth Farrell. Uh, I know that he's. He's big into the sled pulling stuff, and he's going to help us out with it. But I don't, I'm not going to run like a stock tire or something like that. But it'll be an aggressive <laughs> tire. But uh, it'll still be like a DOT tire. Gotcha. I feel cut tires might be a little bit over my my head right now with my limited sled pulling experience. Okay. Okay. So looking for over 2,000 horse on the dyno. I'd imagine what you're shooting for here in the in the quarter. How fast are? Do you get a prediction for your ET at the uh, race strip? Race strip. The race. Uh, I don't know what I'm saying to you. You can tell. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't want to, obviously, uh, be that guy that says I'm going to go out there and I'm going to make a crazy fast pass and then have something break and run a 15. But we love that guy. I would. I would like to be in the low nines. Low nines. Okay, that's the goal. Yeah. All right. High eights, maybe. Um, but. Obviously, playing with a horsepower calculator gets you gets you excited. You're like, oh man, if we get it down to five thousand pounds and it's making seventeen hundred horsepower, it should go eight, no problem. But kind of, mm. that's not always the case. Obviously, mm. chassis setup comes into play and breakage and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So. How good the race uh, strip is prepped. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <all> set, so. <laughs> awesome, yeah, man. Skating down the track. Yeah, never fun. <laughs> Okay, uh, any other qualifiers you're keeping an eye out for? Who do you think is going to be your biggest challenge? Obviously, I would never want to underestimate anybody. I've, there's been some people that I didn't even know, I've never met before, uh, that I've seen on the qualifier pages and, and everything. But, like, Obviously, it looks like Ryan Pfaff, his truck is pretty serious. He's coming to party also. And um, there's some other people I don't, not good with names uh there's a guy in canada that looked like he had a pretty serious chassis set up for drag racing and it's a mechanical truck too i think obviously uh don't want to underestimate any mechanical guys but 
Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a bunch of bunch of crazy, crazy fast trucks, and obviously being from a drag racing background, I noticed that stuff first. Sure. I don't really know most of the sled pulling guys, but I'm sure there's other people that'll show up there that I'm like, man, who's that guy? And they'll put 50 <laughs> feet on me in the sled pole. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Just, we're we're going to try to go out there and just try to do better than we've ever done before. Not really. I'm not really that concerned with what any of the other people are, are kind of doing right now, just because. It's, it's a little bit different than any of the racing we've done before where I'm used to going out and trying to kill the tree and cut .0 lights every time where it's, obviously I don't have to do that this time. It's just fastest ET. and So it's a little bit different competition than what we're used to. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it. Awesome, man. Well, I definitely appreciate you carving out some time to talk to our listeners today. Uh, I know they appreciate hearing from you. We're all really excited to meet you out at the UCC. That's May 4th, 5th, and 6th in Brownsburg, Indiana. Uh, anybody you want to give a shout-out to, John? Yeah. Um, so Seth Farrell for getting us all the fuel for to get the truck to make the power that it should, and Will and Todd over at Power Driven for helping out with that as well. Um, and obviously everybody at the at the shop here at uh, that Granby Truck Shop where I work and all the people that take uh, all the time to kind of pick up the slack when I'm working on my truck and my fiance for putting up with me coming Ooh. home at midnight and wow. cooking me dinner at the shop. That's a, that's a good She's one a to slide in there for yeah. the end for the shout outs, man. Well played. Well played. More romantic than Chris or myself. Well, John, again, thank you so much for joining us. Listeners, we can't wait to uh, meet and see you guys all out at uh, Brownsburg, Indiana, May 4th, 5th, and 6th for the Ultimate Callout Challenge. little caveat for any of our listeners who stuck through till the end here. Chris and I will actually be with KJ Jones when he announces diesel power challenge competitors that's gonna be fun I'm looking how crazy to is that yeah. so we we are the official podcast the ultimate call out challenge we're also the official podcast of diesel power challenge kj's the editor of diesel power magazine he's going to be there he's going to do a facebook live yep. uh we are looking to set up to actually be there with him and and uh be a part of that announcement as well so whatever we can do to help out the diesel industry we are into for today this has been paul wilson and chris emke thanks for listening The Diesel Performance Podcast is brought to you by Calibrated Power Solutions, home of DuramaxTuner.com. Calibrated Power develops emissions-equipped calibrations for a wide variety of diesel powertrains, including the Duramax, Cummins, PowerStroke, John Deere, Case, New Holland, and many more. For more information and great customer service, check out CalibratedPower.com or call 815-568-7920. That's 815-568-7920. If you'd like to contact the podcast, send us a message through Facebook or email paul at duramaxtuner.com or chris at c-e-h-m-k-e at duramaxtuner.com. Paul and Chris may be contacted by phone. Chris's extension is 2121 and Paul's is 2122. Hey, thanks for listening. Your feedback is appreciated. Please rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and by all means, let us know if you have any ideas for podcast. We'd welcome any suggestions. Sixty-seven G two is officially available. Jeez, such uh, a long name. Well, it's still sixty-seven G two. The model is for yeah, your LB seven. There's yeah. three models. Yeah, but it's like so the model RDD two V two six seven. Like awesome.
Love it. Sorry. Love it. No, no, great. Thank you for adding to the podcast. You're, I really appreciate you're it. You're really welcome. <laughs> no, but seriously, Badass Turbo.